Welcome to Pioneers, the show where we explore the intersection between humanity and AI. I'm your host, Ankur Patel. Over the last 10 years, I've built three AI startups, written two books about the subject, and I run a weekly AI newsletter. I also regularly teach and speak about the topic at conferences. This technology has grown faster than I think any of us could have imagined, and it's making us ask really important questions, such as how ethical is AI? What will this technology look like in a few years, let alone a few months? And most importantly, does it have the power to truly change the world? And what does it mean for you? On this show, I'll be interviewing the founders, operators, and pioneers that are introducing AI into their companies and industries. We'll be asking them the really heavy hitting questions that make them dig deep into the core of what we do. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Super excited to announce our guest today, Jim Beach. Jim's been a client of ours for eight months now. Um, he has phenomenal experience in the mortgage industry, and I'm really looking forward to knowing his story. I, I hope you are as well. So, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Even though we we have you know worked together for eight nine months, um, I haven't had the chance to hear your um, origin story, your founding story, how you got into technology. Um, would, would love to hear sort of where you got your initial start with technology as, as, as a whole. I uh, started this business 29 years ago this month. So, um, but I, before that, I owned a, a furniture store and I was, it was pretty successful. I sold, sold it to a, a Berkshire Hathaway company. And uh, so I did that with a high school friend and uh, we got into it. He was, he was not the worker. I was kind of the worker. So he, he was like, why, why do you want to sell? We're making money. And I'm like, well, you know, it just kind of wasn't that equitable. But in the meantime, I'd put up the money for this company for my brother. He's eight years older than me. He wanted to do a mortgage company. So I put up the money and I sold my furniture store. He begged me to come and be part of it. And I came and two or three months later, he quit, said, I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm like, well, I've given you over a hundred thousand dollars in this. Like, and he goes, too bad. <laughs> so, so I was I was kind of in a position where I had to learn the business. I'd, I'd done financing in the in the furniture business and had quite a bit of uh, interaction there, you know, with just payables and different things with that. But the mortgage industry was very complex. And most people, the biggest thing that they do is they underestimate the mortgage industry. It's very difficult. It's literally one of the most difficult industries that I can think of. And I think that's why it's kept my interest for 29 years, right? It's, it does keep me going and uh, it's really a fun business, but there's so many aspects of it. So when we look at the challenges of the mortgage industry, you know, most people think I just fill out a loan application, I'm approved or not, and, and I can get my loan funded. And there's so many dynamics of it. So one of the things I'll just mention really quick, you have kind of all these seven layers of risk buckets. You also have uh, that are, that are really difficult in terms of risk you in those risk buckets. One of them is like compliance, compliance issues. One of them is, uh, reputation risk. One, you know, there's all kinds of different things that are huge risks, right? So you have to take a look at, at every single thing as you're trying to go down that list and say, how do I manage this company? Now, remember I go in the mortgage business. My brother says he's quitting. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He did, He told me he wouldn't even be a helper to me. Right. And he'd been in the business for, I don't know, five or seven years or something. So I didn't have anybody to go to. And so as I would learn things, I would you know, read, I would get consultants, I would 
do what I could. But the problem is, is there, it was so complex. So I didn't talk about secondary marketing. I didn't talk about servicing. I didn't talk about IO strips. I didn't talk about hedging. I didn't talk about how you execute. I didn't talk about rate locks, the dynamics of those hedge. Like you could go on and on, but so you, I'm just giving you a few things. And again, you know, there's a, there's a loan application as well. So when I first got in the business, one of the things that happened was that there were disparate systems. And by the way, to this day, there are disparate systems, which means somebody builds a credit reporting system and then that's it, that's all they do. And somebody builds an underwriting system and that's it, that's all they do. And then somebody builds a pricing engine and that's all they do. And somebody builds a compliance engine and that's all they do. And somebody builds an electronic signature engine and that's all they do, that's their only product. And then somebody does where we where we've interacted is in document recognition. And that document recognition is a big deal because of what it allows me to do. But as, as we take a look at that, that document recognition is one of the other aspects. And it's people that there's people that build that, but they nobody is doing what we're doing right now with Encore. Nobody is doing this, right? It's not even close. And I think there's a lot of reasons because you have these disparate systems that slows out all the disintermediate, it just slows all the disintermediation. It just, you can't get to where you can disrupt the market until you really build a system like ours. And, and because it's so complex, it the bigger companies aren't gonna do it because they wanna buy it. They wanna buy solutions. That's what bigger companies do. They're, you know, we're, we're kind of like the little Tesla team, right? Here in 2008, when they were saying, you know, they ask Elon, why, why are you, uh, why do you think you can compete with General Motors or Ford or Chrysler? And, and he says, well, they might have a lot more people. They might even be smarter than us, but they don't have, they're not working on the same things as us. And that's really where I would say that we fit in, in terms of technology. So we are a mortgage bank. We buy and sell loans across the United States and we have retail loan officers, but we also have uh, equally as big, we have wholesale loan officers and brokers and small banks and credit unions that fund loans through us. We buy them, then we sell them, we maintain the servicing, we, we sell them to different parts, we securitize those loans. So that's really who we are. We, we, because we have always been small and because it's really just been me as the founder and I'm the full financier of the company, it makes it really tough yeah. to actually become huge especially when, I'm, when we're building this technology. But anyway, so that gives you quite a, a mouthful there to start out with. Why did I go to technology? Now, here's the simple answer. Why did I go to technology? Because I couldn't remember all of the things that needed to get done to actually make a clean, good loan. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> Anyway, I hope that helps. Well, that's where technology comes in, right? That's exactly right. It's technology makes it easier for us as people, as humans, to take control over very complex uh, workflows, right? Because yeah. lending is really hard. Buying and selling um, mortgage loans is just very, very difficult. You can't hold it all in your head. Um, if you could get the technology, go ease that pain and the burden, um, it's so much easier to operate. So that all makes sense. Um, and 29 years is 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 uh, is an incredible number. Um, I can't wait to have the 30th year uh, to congratulate you on that because three decades you you really don't hear that um, with many companies these days, right? Especially companies where the founder is still in the seat operating the business. It's, a, it's still a very rare and innovating thing. And, um, and innovating and loving and, and innovating. Yes, and loving every minute of it. Yeah. 
so all right, so that that gives me great context. Nineteen ninety four, right? Uh, company company gets going. October um, of 90. You see the advent. That's right. Yeah, and then you see the advent of the internet. So that's one huge yep. inflection point. You see the boom and bust throughout the mid two thousands. Yep. You see the crisis come down, um, and then you know after two thousand eight two thousand nine, maybe technology companies are also entering the mix in the in the mortgage industry, at least trying to get their their get their foothold. Data becomes a bigger thing, data engineering, um, and then now most recently AI. So um, could you maybe talk through how you've handled previous inflection points, particularly the internet maybe to start off with, and also the boom and bust, right? That's a very complex thing to also manage throughout that time. Um, so yeah, the boom and bust of it, well, there's two big boom and busts of the 2000s. One was the internet boom and bust, the dot-com bubble, and you know the 2000, the Y2K issue, and then you had, and then of course you had the mortgage meltdown that was based on stated income. Some people called them liar loans. Um, that's, you know, that, that really was what we had to survive. That <laughs> it was quite the experience. But if I go back to 1994, we started out with really the internet was kind of like a dial up. Um, really by 1996 it was a dial up AOL.com, right? <laughs> you, you hear the connection, you know, you've got mail or whatever. <laughs> And, and I, I was always like, how do I connect everything? I'm like, I got to get this all so that it makes sense. And it's extremely difficult. Like if I enter a loan amount, it's hard to help a, a, anybody understand. But if I enter a loan amount, I want the loan amount to be the same on the loan application as I do. There's a place called the details of transaction. There's a note. There's a deed. There's, <laughs> there, there's a rate lock. And, and it's amazing as you go down that list, I, I've forgotten more things than I, than I know, honestly. So it, what happens is uh, I was trying to make sure that, like just take a simple thing like loan amount and make sure it matches on, on everything that you're doing. The, you know, the note, the deed, the loan application, what you submit to the uh, agencies. In the mortgage industry, loan amount, it could be simple, but honestly it's not because then you have base loan amount. <laughs> and then you, you have, you know, with uh, upfront mortgage insurance, and did you have part of that paid in cash? Did you not have part of it paid in cash? And so there's there's a whole bunch of little rules that go around what you what's your loan amount and what happens. Programmers always make this mistake. They were always oh well, they just pick the loan amount as though there's a single number, right? It's like well, no, do you want the total loan amount or the base loan amount? And you know that's e even today. Occasionally, a programmer will get that wrong, um, even as 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 uh, mature as we are. And so it's kind of funny that they use you usually look at it now. So here's what happened. And I don't know if this uh, is, a, is a segue into really where we were like, well, let me put one other thing. We went from uh, we, we started in visual basic. <laughs> and then I, in my reading, I came across some, some data scientists to come across the end you know, there was supposed to be three tier architecture and then N tier architecture. And that was a way to build these systems. And so we made that attempt and we failed at it because, and I say we failed at it, we actually took it as close as you could to make it perfect. But um, mm -hmm. so we separated the business logic from the database, from the front end forms, right? That's kind of the idea of that architecture. And so we were trying to do that with the internet the internet wouldn't work. You had the internet that was kind of on there. And then you would go the, with this thing called a thin client. You would have, you'd so you'd have to install on these computers and then you've got to try and make everything work. As the internet's coming online, this might be a trip down memory lane for you, but as the internet's coming online, 
you now need to install on different devices and the cell phones weren't even a thing, right? So you just had to just get on the desktops and you took a look at Apple and you took a look at the PCs and the, and you could hardly get that thin client to work. It was very difficult, you know, which is why Microsoft uh, wasn't able to progress to the rest of their projects probably as much. They're trying to figure out how to get their operating system to work on every single different type of a device. That was, it's pretty, pretty difficult. But anyway, so then Internet Explorer came along and we're like, oh my gosh, this is it. Everything, okay, move everything to Internet Explorer. Make sure we're out of, I don't want to see Visual Basic again in my lifetime. You know, single thread, like horrible performance. It was just awful. So we're into, we started to build into, we make a choice between is it Java or .NET? Well, Microsoft was much more advanced than Java and .NET. And then our architecture is a hardware architecture, but gosh, it was, gosh, it wasn't even until 2008, we started doing virtual servers, maybe 2009. We were like one of the first ones. We had VMware, we were doing doing that. And then we made that switch over to, to Hyper-V in, in Microsoft. But anyway, so as you try to build all of these things, they're all, they all have to be in harmony. <laughs> so you this technology has to, the, the hardware stack, the software stack has to be in harmony. Anyway, so we ended up going from .NET being extremely disappointed in Microsoft, you know, here they go again, and then they do, you know, they blow the Internet Explorer and everything else. So, of course, then it goes into into Java and and uh, you know, Bootstrap and you know, all, all of the uh, you know that all of the things that, that Java, JavaScript, and and uh, the open source uh, did. And so, every, everything, of course, and we were probably the first ones to do um, our whole company on the internet. So. Uh, like it was in really 2004, 2005, where we literally could operate without any servers and nobody being, nobody had to have anything installed. So it was all internet-based. So that's happened then. We started to to download documents in 2000 and um, probably, two, yeah, it was 2006 where we, we made, we required our underwriters to no longer look at paper. So they had to be off of images. And so we were by far the first. We were so far ahead of everybody on that. But the idea was always to remove uh, as much human um, clerical work as possible. So an underwriter, most of what they're doing, they pay large money to do clerical work, right? So the idea was, so I started into trying to do OCR really in 2006, 2007, and I've had so many different, so many starts and failures. So Ankur, you didn't know this, right? When we, when we came together and so we're like, mm -hmm. so I saw a marketing piece from you. I'd read about you. I'd kind of read, you know, cause I, I, I do a fair amount of reading anyway. So I was like, okay, let's, let's hear what he has to say. And then he wanted to do a little run, a little test of this. So I know the challenges that come on trying to read the, the information. So again, I'm trying to remove the underwriting. My highest paid positions are underwriters, right? Oh, well, loan officers make a lot more than that. But but the underwriters for, for operations, they by far make the most money and by far the least educated, right? They, they usually have high school educations. They, they, they're not really college educated. They're, they're just really savvy. They have a gift and they're really good at understanding. They have a nose for the mortgage industry. So they're really good. They're, they're worth it. So I don't want to make, I want to make sure I'm not you know, saying something negative about them, but the, their efforts are really uh, too much of their day is spent doing clerical stuff like clerical, meaning I want to stack my documents. I like stacking came from the word because you're literally stacking paper in the correct order. So they were spending time doing that there. And then you see so you'd have junior underwriters that had to do that. And 
you think, well, why can't anybody do that? Well, because the different documents and how they go together, it's like, yeah, anyway, so kind of funny. But so we, there's just a lot of reasons why an underwriter is, is, was, is and was paid quite a bit of money. So um, as we started to come in to start recognizing these documents, um, the one thing that you did is you were using different libraries. You were using the, as we talked about, like the chat GPT library, you had all the, you know, the Tesseract that we knew about. And, you, you know, there's three or four other libraries that really that, that we had already experimented with and you could not get them to talk and communicate and coordinate and decide which is the better one. <laughs> and it's different. Like if it's a handwritten one, if it's typed, if it's, if it's smudged, if it's like, there's all those things that you had already had this experience with, you had had the same experience as me, but I'm trying to bring this holistic thing together, right? Ours, our system, as you, as you kind of have gathered, does all of that. It does all the, all the risk, all the compliance, all the hedging, all of the, you know, accounting, payroll, all, you know, everything. It literally does all of that. No, there's not another system that does that. Anyway, so we, uh, so what you did is you came with that experience and you said, I've figured out a way to actually get AI to work and to make sure that it's using the best, not, not just the best solution, but also to iterate this much faster. So we took the first one that we had you do was the most difficult one that had not been solved. And I still don't know if it's been solved yet for others. Um, I, it's possible, but again, I don't know how many people are working on it. So it's interesting. The mortgage industry is under enormous pressure right now because the interest rates are so high. They went up so fast. That was the yep. first issue, but that's not the full issue. <laughs> the other issue is that in 2020 and 2021, everybody refinanced their home down to 2% or 3%. And nobody yeah. wants to, nobody wants to give up that rate. So you have, you know, you have that, that nobody wants to give up that rate. And then you have higher rates for anybody that wants to purchase a home. It's, it's, a, we, we've seen some storms in the mortgage industry. 94 was one, 2000 was one, 2001 was another one with the, you know, 9-11, 2004. I had another one. 2008 was the gigantic one. That was the worst meltdown, right? And then we have the current market, which is very similar to 2008. And so, uh, at least for the mortgage industry. But anyway, so having said that, I don't know how many people are focused on this, but what this does is this gives us an opportunity where I said I was going to give you one of the hardest ones, which was pay stubs. We said, okay, we're going to take pay stubs and we're going to do a proof of concept with pay stubs. And within 30 days, we had pay stubs working, right? Like, okay, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so that's really where we said, okay, we're all in. We're going to go down this road and we're going to try and finish this, uh, try and finish this up. Now, what I have uh, that you don't have is I have all of the rules that are based behind that data. So you can come up with the rules and the, and the AI and we may, if we can quickly get through the rest of these documents, uh, we may try to brainstorm of, you know, how, what's the quickest way to get the rules that I have to make sure that that uh, that they're now making the decision for that loan, but anyway, so we have we've automated the decisioning. We have all these rules, and it's rules based. AI, as you know, is not necessarily rules based. <laughs> it really is a neural net. It really operates like a human brain. It, it's fascinating how this operates. So, um, which kind of goes to the next thing I want to talk about, which is trusted sources. But I really want to stay. When we, before we go to trusted sources, I want to say that 
what AI has allowed to happen, like a pay stub, you don't know, you know, every employer is different. They, you don't know where the employer is, where is their wages? Does it have hours? Does it not have hours? Is it salary? I mean, you can go on all the dynamics that go on to that. And so AI allows that to think just like a human brain and pick those things out. So once it, once you know kind of a rules-based, which product is the best to attack this, it's like, oh, this is handwritten, so use this library, right? But once you get that library, you really need AI to be able to say, well, okay, how do I actually make sense of this document? It has to think like a human brain, you know, not too dissimilar to what Tesla's doing with their um, self-driving car. But anyway, that it's really, it's really fun. It's really exciting. Anyway, before I going to trust the sources is kind of, is there any other questions or, or thoughts there? Well, I think a couple of quick thoughts. So I think you've been working on the automation piece for decades, yeah. right? And in every single big technology is an inflection point, which you adapt to. Um, so the internet and, and using the languages that were prevalent there, like Visual Basic to create, again, efficiency. Think about technology. Windows servers, think about SQL database, every, because we're on the most recent version of, of, we use a SQL server database and we're on the newest version. So you, you literally think about all of the versions that took place from the time I started this project in 1997, the very first guy I hired is still with me, right? Yeah. <laughs> So his name's David Arpin, but he like he everybody that's started with that, you have all of those versions. So this kind of goes right into what you're talking about. Look, I've been at this for this long. Remember in 1994, even 1992, I remember reading about AI. My, my background, by the way, is is engineering, chem, chemical engineering. But um, I never took a job in that. I started a, I, I almost I didn't even finish it in college. I was one year away from finishing and had an opportunity to start the furniture store that I just talked about. So I started that and for various reasons, but the biggest reason was I was making way more money than somebody that had been being a chemical engineer for 10 years was making. And that's why I was working my way through school. I'm like, okay, well, this is a better opportunity. But there, but what we did is we had to iterate all of those things. We had to iterate to, from technology, from internet, to also server operating systems, to different languages, to like, right. you know, so this is in support of, I know right where you're going, because <laughs> this is in support of, okay, even 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 down to, you know, operating systems, I don't know how, how much, you know, it, it'd be exciting to say, hey, look, can we just, you know, <laughs> not be relying on Hyper-V or what our SQL server, you yeah. know, <laughs> but it has to be stored somewhere. But anyway, so it's kind of, Kind of interesting, yeah. but it gives us the ability but Jim, what, what, to do all of that. Yeah, yeah. I think what's important is that I think when people look at AI or where we are with technology today, it's easy to think, "Wow, this has never existed before." Where it was so complex with so many different models and so many different hardware choices. But it's an age-old problem. This has been going on for decades. Yes. Insert technology X, which is the hottest, latest technology. Yep. There's always going to be this new technology. It's about how you how do you adapt that to your business. And you've gone through many, many cycles. And I think the thing that is a little bit more exciting now, having gone through your story and seeing where uh, the data picture is, is that only about now has AI or like technology as a whole gotten close to being um, able to mimic the human brain with reasoning, with decision-making. And I think that's, that's huge because now all of a sudden you can get more full automation. It's not just moving data around. It's actually doing maybe a good chunk of the clerical work for a loan officer, yeah. right? Or an underwriter. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we've only just in recent years got into that inflection point. Before, it wouldn't have been possible. Ten years ago, it wouldn't have been possible. I, I was going to say AI when I first heard the terminology AI. I go back to 1988, 1990, 1992. AI was the big thing. And it was so it was used so incorrectly that that it be, they called the term passe, right? It was like I, it doesn't even exist. There's, you know, everybody's calling it AI. Well, that's that's kind of even even today when somebody uses the word AI, they may be lying to you, right? They they may not. They, they AI to them is I got it in the computer, right? <laughs> And what we're talking about is dramatically different, right? We are talking about AI. We're talking about something that actually is designed to operate like the human brain. We're talking about a neural net. We really are talking about something completely different than even today what people refer to as AI. You know, AI is not rules-based, right? If you think it's rules-based, if you think if then, if this, then that, it's like it's not, right? It's not that, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think you start very strategically with documents, which we're starting on, right? Can you read documents and extract and process values that are important? But then after that, once all of that data is out, then all of a sudden you could do the complex decision making that a loan officer would do, trying to determine should this application um, be approved, right? Should this loan be purchased or sold, right? All the decisions that that your company makes. So it's getting into the realm of, of, a, of a human operator. Um, and I think that's a very important theme because that's the future of work. AI is shaping the future of work, replacing maybe some of the role that people are doing. Again, if they're very valuable, they'll still have jobs. They'll do more well, valuable I, I work. I want to comment on that really quick because I've thought a lot about this, okay. right? So, um, and having been around for a while, you know, and when I started my company, of course, one of the frustrating, well, in the furniture business and in the mortgage business, and I've also done construction, I've, you know, built homes and, and things like that as part of this. But, uh, and I've also got another enterprise called the back chair, right? I'm building a back chair. That's pretty cool. It's an automated chair. It fixes your motion as, you know, but anyway, I'll get, that's, it's an app called the back chair and it's an actual chair called the back chair. But the reason I say that is because what happens to people that were doing clerical work and what happens is they become more valuable. And that's really most people don't understand that they become more valuable because they really are used they're, they're Now they have a brain and this calls, this will lead into trusted sources and, and what they've done with their brain. But what happens is these people that were doing clerical work before now get to do things that are so much more exciting, right? They're not looking at a piece of paper. They're not trying to say, well, what is that pay amount on there? And let my, let's see if my eyes will work on there. It's literally, they, they are freed up. And if they, and again, if it takes a disciplined life, right? But they have to be freed up to be able to use their brain in a special way where they can actually imagine things. They can create things and that AI will support it. And that's really, um, some people talk about it, it'll be less jobs and I see it as dramatically different. I see our demand for human beings that are, that are disciplined will be able to, they'll, they'll be in, in much higher demand than they are now because the, the grunt work will already have been done. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I can, you know, maybe you can have an AI that's going to, create your food, but that AI, that robot can't really taste the food. And so it takes yeah. somebody with creativity and, you know, we could talk about food. We could talk about mortgages. We could talk about products in the mortgage industry that would be exciting, 
the people greater than my gift can actually come up with ideas of different loan products. And they they can't because, first of all, there's there's road stops for technology. There's road stops with people. There's road stops with trying to convey it. There's road stops with just building the support behind a new loan product. You know, the forex. You know, I I I guess I won't take any time. You know, but we can go into some cool loan products that really would be better for the for the borrowers that have already been thought of, but technology is what's stopped them from actually being. Uh, adopted and it goes into how do you refinance a loan? Should I have to refinance it or can I actually just, you know, amortize my rate, you know, lower? It, it, there's, you know, there's just different things that you can do that are really exciting. Anyway, so that's my comment. Yeah. With with with, are people going to be replaced by machines? Not even close, right? Not even close. Yeah. But if you're not willing to use your brain, you're not going to have much value. Yeah, You're- that makes sense. I think that's the same ethos that that you know the same kind of ideas that that we have about it, which is it's going to unlock more of human creativity, so that you can do, for example, financial innovation, thinking of new mortgage products to be able to use in the mortgage industry, which which I love. Right, right. We could always use more of that. That's what helps uh, the capital markets work more efficiently. Um, so we just help enable that by automating some of the, let's say the grunt work, the clerical work, because it is, that's the type of work that we're mostly well, talking about. Automating. Think of it this way. If I said, Hey, I want to do a product that does this, this, and this, you could send it through the AI. The AI can tell you the laws that are, that, that you've got to, that are, that are roadblocks. You, you know, it can actually navigate that, come up with, you know, every, it, it could do it almost instantaneously. It could do an, it, it could yeah. do a, an evaluation of what your idea was. And tell you what the issues were immediately, right? That's the exciting thing. Yeah. And that's really so do you think it, in my business that has to happen. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, obviously you've been running this company for, for 29 years. Hopefully it'll be another 29 years. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, do you think in 25 years from now we're, we're going to laugh at uh, how we're even talking about AI? Maybe what, we're, what we consider to be AI now is going to be laughable. Um, I'm just wondering if, if you have any thoughts there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 what happens is people don't remember. Uh, but when you do think about back what happened, it's funny. So <laughs> I've always been sort of a forward thinking person. So, um, and some people don't misunderstand me. I love like my, you know, you probably see a little football back here. That was, you know, Back in the day, I loved to play football. I love to golf right now, right? My favorite passion, it's golf. And you would have no idea that that's what it is because I get a golf maybe once a week or something like that because I just, I have so many things that I love to do, right? But I, I'm a pretty good golfer. I'm a three handicap. I don't know. 3.2 is what it was yesterday. <laughs> so I do like to do other things, right? There, It really is certain things. So the question is, why, why am I doing this? And so I have to go back and think of the people that laughed at me Back in 1992, I had this this thing. I might even have it back on the shelf. I could probably go grab it. It's called a HP 100LX. They had 90LX and a 100LX. So, um, and I, you know, I'm kind of a religious person. So I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and it's all volunteer work that I do. So, with, so you know, I'm sitting in a congregation and I'm, I'm literally taking this HP 100LX and I'm typing in everybody's name. It's got a keyboard and a small little black and white screen. I'm typing in their name. So I've got this big contact database. And so the, the, what I, um, this congregation that I'm in, it's called a ward, right? So it's, it's, um, I'm a Latter-day Saint. So the, so these wards have about, 
five to 600 people. So I've actually got all of their names, their birth dates and their phone numbers back in the day, right? So this is <laughs> before you even had cell phones, right? My challenge was taking that. So, and people laughed at me. They've, my wife would call me a geek. <laughs> and thank goodness I was athletic because maybe I would have just said, maybe I am a geek, right? But it's like, no, I can, I can whip on you in basketball. I, I played basketball in college. I could, I was a point guard. And I could, and it's like, so I could take anybody making fun of me about the HP 100 LX or the cell phones. I was the first to get a cell phone, you know, really every, everybody's just dying anyway. So that was kind of who I was. I was an early adopter for sure. So I don't think they go back and remember, you know, how stupid they looked back then, right? They've got their cell phones now and they know how to use their cell phones. But 10 years ago, yeah. maybe was it? Yeah, 10 years ago, most of these people didn't even have cell phones. It was 2000 when, when Steve Jobs did this in 2008, I think, wasn't it when he announced that he was going to build us a, a cell phone? Um, and he's like, you know, and I'd already had. These Microsoft had had a mobile phone. You had the BlackBerry, you, had, yeah. you know, all those. Anyway, it's just funny. But uh, so there. So are, are we going to think it was crazy? I don't know if we'll remember it. I do know this: that the way that we do mortgage, the mortgage business today, is even the people that aren't very good at technology are like they wouldn't know how to. They wouldn't know how to do what they did just 10 years ago. They wouldn't remember how to do the business the way they did 10 years ago. I, I had to smile. We, 2008 crisis, there was a company that was GMAC. You may remember that. GMAC is a finance company that was built off of General Motors. They became a gigantic yep. mortgage entity. They were the second or third largest right behind company, excuse me, Countrywide Financial and Bank of America. So you had GMAC. Yep. And so they are, they are trying to automate. They invite us to go to their, to their, to their place. Now that I didn't know, right. I, I didn't know how much trouble they were in, but this would have been 2000, I guess maybe 2007. Yeah, it would have been 2007. So they, they were gigantic doing all this volume. I thought they were amazing. They wanted to automate. They knew that we, they knew our technology was by far and way ahead of everybody else. So I go back to visit their offices in Minnesota and they, I, you know, I just said, I want to just see how your workflow works with your people as they sit around. So remember 2007, I, I'm not allowing underwriters to look at paper, right? Everything's all mm -hmm. imaged and electronic. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a single person that was working on electronic images. They didn't have anything scanned. So I am walking through their offices and this is just like, like mind blowing, right? Because I, I knew that they were big, but when you realize you walk through an office and you can't see the cubicle or the person next to you, because you have stacks of loan files that are floor to ceiling, they had little ladders around and they were not in like, they were stacked. Did they have things fall over? Yes. They were stacked. So high. I mean, they had stuff that was eight and nine feet high. Um, and now I say I, they must have had something because it, it would have. I know they. I know they. While I was there, they had one that collapsed. <laughs> so I'm sure they had something to kind of steady him. But you know, because they would have had just disaster after disaster. But like I was walking through gigantic buildings, plural buildings, multiple floors with nothing but loan files, stacks and stacks of paper, and I'm like, 
yeah, I can't believe they let themselves do this. Yeah. And then you wonder, so in 2008, there was a big lawsuits over why they they lost notes and they, they couldn't find the paper note. They couldn't, you know, everybody's suing each other because, yeah. you know, do I really owe you the money? It will prove to me that I owe you the money. And there's lenders that couldn't, they couldn't go find that. They couldn't find the piece of paper. They couldn't find the note. And to which me, yeah. it's like, yeah, what's your what's your name again? Okay, boom, pull it up. Oh, yeah, here's your note right here. <laughs> like it's just like that. Well, they they ended up getting really close. We had a request for for an RFP and and a request for a proposal and and, uh, and then you know 2008 hit and they were out of business. They were they were gone and uh, so yeah, then came all the lawsuits for that. So do I look back? I don't have to go back 30 years. I can go back 10. I can go back 12 years <laughs> to take us back to 2011, 2012. And yeah. the business is dramatically different now. So what, what's going to happen with AI within and, and this adoption, Encore, you know, is dramatically faster. So I think like in the amount of time we're talking about it here, I in five years, this is going to be dramatically different, dramatically different. Yeah. Right. And you can you can take that in a lot of different ways. It's exciting. The future is extremely exciting, but it's changing and it's changing dramatically very fast. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's been very interesting because you've survived, uh, not survived. I mean, you've thrived over over 30 years and it takes um, it takes a lot of attention being aware of the latest market trends. Um, So I'm curious, how do you personally see attuned to emerging market trends that aren't maybe aren't prevalent, aren't mainstream yet, um, but might redefine the industry's trajectory. I'm just curious sort of how do you stay on top of all of that? And this is such a great question. And this is really where it leads us into trusted sources. So trusted sources matters quite a bit, right? So what's the trend that I see and what's the concerns that I have? So AI, one of the funny things, um, if you you follow ChatGPT at all, you know, uh, it was doing math problems phenomenal. And then all of a sudden it couldn't do any math problems. <laughs> it's like, well, math is math, right? Well, somebody, somebody went in and was giving it rogue answers and it was using rogue answers. That's really what happened, right? And that actually happens to our brains as well, right? That if you listen to the wrong person, and, I, and by the way, this is subtle. You probably didn't know that I was saying, okay, how do you, what, what are you using? And I did ask you this question. What are you using to train with? And do you protect it? I said, do you protect those? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, you're like, OK, we're, we're going to lock that down because once we get this red, we're going to lock it down until we, have, we find a situation that isn't going to be accurate. Then we're going to slowly and by trust make sure that, OK, yes, that's trusted. Now we'll put it in our repository that says, OK, that's that's part of this trusted source. You've done that, but here's the here's the concern that I have with the trend, right? There is that means that I have to have trusted sources. I have to have a trusted source. That means if I if I can believe somebody, you know, you know, in humans we're a little bit more complex. Maybe you can believe me in one thing and you can't believe me in the next, right? But I, we know that in that one thing I can believe you in and trust you in, you are good, right? And I can trust you for that. But if but if I get you outside of your area of expertise, or you might just be a straight up liar, right? You might have some ulterior motive. You're trying to steal money from me. You're trying to get my vote for an election. I don't know what it happens to be. But if if you're not a trusted source, and if I'm listening to you, right? So first of all, I I should 
be requiring, just like we do in 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 loan in the loan documents. I you require I require that you have a trusted source. You have to go to that trusted source, and if you don't do that, then your then your AI will be horrible. It's like it's never going to work, and you're gonna you're gonna lie and be lied to and believe lies. Right? That's really what's going to happen, and that's. Do I think that AI will be used for that? And the answer is an absolute yes. It will be used for that very reason. This this AI is really cool. It's so exciting. It's so fun. But if I'm going to say, how do I adapt to the future? I, I'm going to be careful with my trusted sources. I want to make sure that Somebody has my best interest at heart. I want to make sure that I can trust it both in ability and in t- integrity, right? So their skill set has to be trustworthy. Their, their, their integrity has to be trustworthy. So once I get that, then I can actually start to, I can build on those things. But if I don't, you have to be really careful. You can't, you can't feed that into your engine and use that. So one of the flaws that I think ChatGPT has right now is I don't know that they've defined that well enough. You know, you have there, there was a, an interesting thing by this uh, one of the one of the you know Klaus Schwab, I guess, with the World Economic Forum, saying that he's going to rewrite the Bible with the artificial intelligence, and and no longer will anybody be allowed to uh, say anything uh, that's contrary to what he wants to you know then then what their AI is going to build, right? This this new Bible or whatever. I had told my wife about this, and she said, "Well, why would they want to do that, right?" <laughs> and that's the best question I've heard because we know why they would want to do it. It's based on control, right? So again, you're going to have to get into trusted sources. Do you, what, what do you trust? And then you can build your artificial intelligence around that. And then this artificial intelligence, like I look at this robot that, that Tesla is building, you know, mm-hmm. this, this thing is just awesome. And they're using all of these cool things and they're using real world examples but the minute that they would go away from like, you know, using something that isn't a good pattern, isn't a good model, um, then you're going to run into it. You're going to run into trouble. And so I think the, the, in the future, what you what I'm trying to say is how do you use what I just said and use that in the future and predict it? So what you really do is you're going to say, I want to choose those that I can trust and I want to I want to hook my ladder to them and I want to also build on top of those people. Now that's really what you get. Now that again is kind of interesting, right? I've never asked you what your religion is, right? <laughs> I don't care what your religion is. I want to know who you are. And hopefully that's really how you want to know about me, right? You've, that's probably the first time you've heard that I'm a religious person, right? You really don't need to to know that. We just need to know, can we trust each other in ability and in, and in integrity? And if we can do that, we actually get to build a relationship that actually lasts. I told you this when we started. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, this, I said, these relationships can start slow and they build. And it's like, I have these people that are around me for, you know, 20 plus years. And it's really exciting to, to, to see that. And they don't, they don't, they're not around me because I'm such a likable guy. I can be pretty, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I, <laughs> I really am an entrepreneur. And, the, and everybody knows what goes along with being an entrepreneur, right? It's, you know, you got your ups and downs, you're changing directions, you're, you're doing all this. But but the fact is, is they, 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 they know who I am and they know that they can trust me. And that that's, 
and that not in everything, right? Because they correct me all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's part of having the, you know, having candor. You got to have candor and you got to be called on the carpet if you got something wrong. But that's um, that's really where I think that that builds that relationship. And, and I'm excited that it's been eight months. You've done everything you've said you, you would do. And, you know, and again, I look at these little subtle things, just little subtle ways. So like we built the team, made it a little bit bigger, and then we kind of pulled it back down. And now we're, you know, we're kind of, you know, ready to, you know, to do some extra things. It's really, it's really fun. And so yeah. as you build that trust and you realize where you are, uh, you, you really get to build some exciting things. So that's really where I say that the future has got to go. You've got to get your basics down. You got to be disciplined. You got to not make sure that you're not getting in into, you know, some of the areas that you don't want to, you want to just make sure yeah. that you're working with people that you, that are trusted sources. No, absolutely, Jim. I completely agree. And it's interesting because pulling that thread a little bit, there's human to human trust, which develops into two people or teams of people communicating, collaborating, having very consistent um, uh, interaction, right? So if you're going to say one thing, you do it. That's how trust is built. Or, and when, or you, think when, of you, AI, or when you mess up, you ask for a, for forgiveness, right? It's like, because that's how right, it works. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. And you, and yeah. If you're yeah. doing your best, hey, that's awesome. That's right. That's right. And then it's it's interesting because when you think of AI and building a solution, a technological solution, you also have to come to trust that. Is it going to be reliant? Is it going to work when when it's supposed to work? Right. And we, we see this even in the work that we do. This is just generally true in technology. You want to stress test the technology. Yeah. You want to make sure it's operating there as you expect it to. And you trust and verify, right? It's it's a, it's a trust game. Because I, I get this question very often, and I imagine you do as well, or, or yeah. certainly will as things goes. When AI takes over more of the things that humans used to do, how do you know if it's the AI right? Did it come to the right decision or not? What if it does make a wrong decision, right? Can you trace back the, you know, how it got to that decision? Because AI is going to be determining more and more of loan applications, frankly, more and more financial decisions across the industry. So it's not just you know the two of us trusting AI to do what we're doing in our work together, but it's the broader society coming to terms with you know, AI making more of those decisions in our everyday lives as well, in a big impactful way, not just AI on your phone, but AI in your financial life as well. That's absolutely spot on. I 100% agree. 100% agree. And I think that's the opportunity right, so for the future. We are, that's what the opportunity is. Find those people that you can get behind and that, that you've got that relationship with. Know what they're doing so that we can trust what what they're building. Right? If you start out, if you start out with a good foundation, you know, you're, yes, there's still going to be mistakes uh, that that are going to that are going to happen. But that's how fast you're going to be able to reiterate a new a new uh, version is crazy. Uh, it's it, it really is. It's it's mind boggling. I, I you know I, again I, if I said look the last person that I had building pay stubs had been at it. I had been paying him for more than three years. <laughs> and he had a team okay. of three people, <laughs> so four including him. It, <laughs> they, they would still be working on it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, that's what AI is going to do. It's literally going to, yeah. yeah. And and I think it's, it's the technology, but it's also... Um, founders like yourself that you know you're taking a risk adopting a technology in a space where you, your peers aren't necessarily adopting this technology at the same pace and yes in a couple of years all of them will because they'll be forced to you know if they don't adopt it early on like you are um but 
to take a risk early on with a new technology that's just been around, at least in its current form in large language models, you know, maybe a year or two and, and going all in on it. That is, that is, you know, that's what an entrepreneur does, right? So, so kudos to you for making that call as well. Yeah. That's what, that's what you do. Yeah. 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 All right. So we're almost at time, but I would love to ask you a few more questions. Um, because I think our readers can really benefit from all of the knowledge that you've acquired and, and you're, you're imparting on us. But what are the top three books you would recommend to uh, another founder or another operator um, at this juncture? Um, well, first of all, you really need to get into the publications in your industry and you got to be you, you got to love that. Right. You, you, you have to. Uh, you know, you've got not just love it, but at first, when you're getting into an industry, you might have terms that you don't understand. You know, you've got to just do the, the hard work to get into your industry publications and you've got to understand those quickly and then be able to hold accountable those people that are reporting on your industry. Right. You might have authors that, you know, hey, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And, and other writers that are like, oh, my gosh, the minute that they write, I, I need to write and read everything that they're that they've got. And those things are, are extremely wonderful. They're they're really good. Uh, beyond that, I actually have a couple of you know biographies that are always really good um, that, that I've actually enjoyed quite a bit. Um, again, being a, a religious person, it's kind of interesting. One is uh, his name is uh, Russell M. Nelson, his autobiography. And. He was a heart surgeon. He was innovative. He's an innovator. He was mm -hmm. first one on the heart and lung machine. And uh, he talks about really all of the things that he had to do to, to get to the point where he was like he was he did. You know, the Chinese government approved him to do heart surgeries in China. Right. <laughs> on, on not just regular people, but on their leaders. Um, he, he did a lot of, of people uh, around the country and also in Utah. But there's. Those things, they, they inspire me. Another one is, is an autobiography of Henry uh, Eyring. And one of the things that he did, uh, he, was, uh, he was in science. So most people don't know about him as much as they do Albert Einstein. They do know Albert Einstein. But he wrote more papers than Albert Einstein. And he was responsible single-handedly for a, a, a theory called the accelerated rate theory, ART. That's how they do carbon dating now. That's how they built the atomic bomb. They, they couldn't have done that without that. I mean, the idea behind that is you're climbing a mountain and, it, and it's, every step is really hard climbing that mountain. But it's, but you're building up all that momentum until you get to the very top. And then all of a sudden you get to the very top and then you start to go down that hill and you've got all that momentum behind you and it's fast, right? That's called accelerated rate theory. You continue. It seems like it's slower, slower, slower on that accelerated rate. And then and that that's a simple way yeah. to describe how he, how he innovated that. But that's really... Uh, that accelerated rate theory is a big deal uh, and, and is used all the time. And so those people kind of inspire me. Um, but, you know, then I have to go off into the basketball, right? And I've, I've, I've read about Michael Jordan. I've read about Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Steph Curry is like my favorite player of all time. I, I thought nobody could beat out Michael Jordan for me, but Steph Curry is, you know, he was, I was a point guard. He and I are about the same tall, the same height. I'm six four. He's six mm -hmm. foot three. And he's, but you know, I could never, I, 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 I was a good shooter. I was a really good shooter, but yeah. not like him. It was just really fun. So I've been yeah. just thoroughly enjoyed that. Anyway, those, so I would yeah. well, I, have fun. And then one last one, of course, is, and I'm just going to say some people call it the Bible. I call it scriptures. You, you know, you, I, I, every single day I spend time reading uh, scriptures every single day, no matter what I, I, I do that. It gives you your base. It gives you 
you know, kind of the spirit of love, uh, that's really important. That's, that's, that's crucial in building relationships and long-term relationships. And I think that that, I, I, I literally every single day I am reading out of uh, New Testament, Old Testament, Book of Mormon, uh, Doctrine and Covenants. I'm reading out of these these scriptures every single day. And if it's if it's not if it's not a half an hour, uh, you know, if I'm extremely busy, it might be a couple of minutes, right? But it's every single day. It's like it's such a such a gift. Those scriptures give you quite a bit of, of uh, sound understanding. Yeah. Anyway, that gives you an idea of where I'm at. No, that's great. I mean, I think there's, there's such a great variety in, in all the things that you've mentioned. So we'll, we'll have them in the show notes, too, because I'm sure we just will want to go um, look into some of this as well awesome. for their own part. So uh, two more questions, and we'll try to keep this quick for you. But um, what is advice that you'd give to yourself or you wish you had given to yourself at the beginning of your career, um, knowing what you know now? <laughs> that um, uh, there could have been a quicker way to be educated. <laughs> <laughs> there, I would have been much, much, if, if I would have known that, um, I, I would have said, you know, be, like I wasn't trained in business. So I never went to my, all my education was in, <clears throat> was in science, mathematics and, and physics and chemistry. And, uh, and, and I remember I did take one class. It was my very first class in college called economics 101. And I'm like, well, this makes perfect sense, uh, right? It's like so easy. <laughs> and I didn't pay attention to that. But I wished that with a business degree or with something you would, that I, somebody would have said, hey, look, you can go get that education right there. Go, go get that. Mm-hmm. Go get that, right? So if I would have just known where to go get that education, you can't get it at college, right? In the mortgage industry, you can't. But, yeah. but that, that, those and that's why I talked about the periodicals and the writers in your industry. That gives you pretty much what you need. Like, how did I? Because I did find you, right? And that happens over yeah. and over again. That's really what you're what you're going to do. Um, is you need to make sure that. And that's what I would tell myself: go go get your education yeah. and make and and then if you don't know where, that's the question you need to ask yourself: where can I get this education? Because otherwise, you pay a lot of money for it. Our company had a number of miracles. I didn't go through that. We've had a number of miracles to get us through that, but I don't want to go through that. I just want to say that those miracles wouldn't have had to happen had I had more education. But it took some miracles to to get us through 29 years. (laughs) And I can't echo that more. I mean, I think a lot of people go to great schools. They think four years of education, like in college, coupled with all of their prior education is enough to kind of ride them through their career. And it's really not. Um, I think the best thing that happens in college is you learn, hopefully, how to learn really well. And then you take that skill and you're constantly applying that, especially if you're in a field like technology, right? Um, uh, But in in many fields, you have to just understand the inflection points, what's happening. It comes through reading on periodicals that have new information, but it's also drawing inspiration from, as you said, biographies of people that have come before because there's a lot of great information there. Um, You could also have role, role models like in sports where they're overcoming pretty heroic feats, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And when you couple that inspiration that you get from different arenas, you're staying on top of new information, um, it it forces you to to continue to reinvent yourself and help reinvent your business if you have a business. Because if you don't do that, you won't be in business for very long. So spot on. Yeah. So, 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 so spot on. Yeah. 
Well, Jim, really appreciate um, having you on this podcast. It's been an incredible conversation. I know next year is your 30th anniversary. Would love to do another podcast about a year from now. Um, see the innovation and, and automation um, that, that you have in the next in year. store for yeah, your business. Just in the next yeah. Yeah. I know, and, um, I know right where I want to go right after the uh, the documents are done. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. So you have a, you have a long-term plan, oh, yeah. which, which is great. Yeah. 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 Um, where can people find you or, or, or your company? Um, if maybe you want to direct them to your, your website yeah, or anywhere direct, else. Directmortgage.com. That's it. Just direct mortgage and directmortgage.com. And uh, that's another story. It took me a long time to get that domain. I think I, I, I got that domain really not until about six months ago. <laughs> so we were direct corp yeah. before that directcorp.com was the URL. We've always been direct mortgage, but so directmortgage.com is where you want to go. And uh, you, can, you can find me there if you search as under loan officers, if you wanted to shoot me an email or, or, or reach out, you can do that. Great. Really appreciate that, Jim. We'll have that in the show notes. Um, and thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This has been an incredible uh, conversation and really look forward to having another conversation with you a year from now. Awesome. That's great. Thank you, Ankur. Yeah.